Okay, so after an audio problem. Good evening, everybody. My name is Abby, your local horror host, and welcome to Meet My Monsters! <laughs> So yeah, like I said, I had an absolute travesty at the beginning of this. Um, my what what what's it called? Meant my sound card decided to be an absolute dipshit and not work. So I had to configure it and look to see what was going on. And it's been so long since I studied sound engineering that I was like, what? <laughs> and I kind of cried a little bit in my soul. But anyways, I was not defeated by technology yet again. Yay me! Um, but yeah, hi guys. Welcome back to Meet My Monsters. Um, this week I'm super freaking stoked because we're going to be covering a little goblin fairy folk. So this is, remember I told you about all the categories of the party that we're going to do? So there's what we've been through already is who's oh my favorite monsters, which was the Questing Beast. Um, then last week we did local is lacquer, um, and we did trunco, and now we're doing fairy folk. So I'm super, super, super stoked about that. And another reason why I'm super stoked is because, without knowing it, I picked the most villainous, murderous, treacherous little fairy you can imagine, called the red cap. So <laughs> this isn't really exciting for all of its you know, people who came in contact with the red cap. But for me, it's super exciting because it touches on true crime. So, I don't know. I like most, apparently the whole female race, am absolutely <laughs> obsessed with true crime. Um, I don't know why. I just find it so freaking just interesting as to how deranged people can be. So, I guess you're asking yourself, then why, girlie, didn't you start a true crime podcast? So, truth be told, <laughs> if I had done that, I would be in a straitjacket in Tara, which is our local loony bin, in next to no time. So, I'm already a highly paranoid person. I love this stuff. I love listening to it. I like watching shows on it. If I had to research it every freaking week, I think I would just go off my rocker, quite honestly. <laughs> I don't think I'd be able to cope with that. Monsters I can handle. You know, they're awesome. They're little creatures. I love them. Murderers and that kind of situation. Love listening about you, but I'm not going to research you. But anyways, yeah, I'm super, super, super excited. Um, oh, that's another thing I've been meaning to say. <laughs> is Tonight I'm particularly singy. So I don't know if you guys have noticed. Every now and again I go, da, 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 da. <laughs> and this is like one of the biggest banes of my brother's existence so I've got two brothers but anyways my oldest brother Clint always cucks me out for singing everything he says like I sing my whole life and I can't help it that my life is basically a musical and I need to sing to make an emphasis so sorry Clint just deal deal with it because I'm happy <laughs> Um, but yes guys so like I said we're going to be um, touching on the little fairy called the red cap and I'm 
so excited. I'm so excited. I'm like, just, uh, I'm totally fangirling here. <laughs> but yeah, without further ado, let's get on to this creepy little bastard. If one mentions fairy folk, the common thing that springs to mind are sprightly little forest nymphs dancing gaily through the sunbeams amidst the wool woodland woolen woolen <laughs> amidst the woodland creatures. So, guys, when I was writing this, the thing that I thought of was one of my favorite movies is Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events. And when Jude Law starts narrating the intro and there's the story of the happy little elf. Like, that's what I pictured when I thought about fairies. So, if you have never watched, I know I've played a blank on my favorite movie, it's uh, Lemony Snicket's. If you never watched that, do yourself a favor and just watch it, even if you just watch it for the first scene, because it's freaking golden. I love it. And I love Jude Law's voice. He's got a very calming voice. But anyways, back to the red cap. So, the forest nymphs dancing gaily through the beams. Blah, 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 blah. Seldom do we stop to think that there are sub-genres of the cryptid species, let alone murderous, heinous, violent kinds. Well, naturally that is the type of fairy I would choose to start with. So guys, on that note as well, is I had no freaking idea that there are so many fairies. There are like, I, I don't want to say hundreds, but I'm assuming there's hundreds through different folklores around the world. I thought a fairy is a fairy is a fairy, you know what I'm saying? But nah bruh, like... A fairy is a this, is a that. It's kind of like all of the sub-genres sub of metal music. You know what I'm saying? But anyways, so... Yeah, for my first fairy creature, obviously I'd choose the most malicious thing ever. Um, so this... <laughs> it's quite funny. It made me laugh. Like I'd, I'd, I start my podcast out with a beast that is riddled with French words that I can't pronounce and end up saying things like belle and that kind of stuff and looking like a knob. And now I choose the murderous, rapey little killy fairy <laughs> as my first fairy. So clearly, I don't know. Anyways, but yeah, I'm super excited, like I said, about this fairy. Um, and I don't know why. I'm just really, really ready to get into today's party. So we'll be examining closely the red cap, who is known to be one of the most devilish fairy folk around. Some in medieval times even said this sprite was the devil incarnate himself. Dum dum dum. However, throughout Europe, the various red caps have very different personas, which we will take a closer look at as well. But the main guy we will be focusing on is a scandalously wicked beastie, so be prepared. So get ready to be thoroughly disturbed as we travel back centuries to the borderlands of the UK to face this red-capped foul little fiend. The borderlands, which lie between Scotland and England, were once a place rife with bloodshed. Oh, guys, also I just need to say quickly two things. A, the Scottish people are probably my most favouritest people around because I just love the way they sound and I love Scotland. And my favourite cryptid is there which I'm saving for a special day. Guess who that is? Uh, yeah, so that's number one. And number two, the borderlands is a legit place. Like, I just thought it was talking about the lands on the border between Scotland and England, but no, borderlands is an actual area within Scotland. So, uh, within, Scot within Scotland and England. 
So the borderlands were often disputed by the two countries and thus fought over by opposing sides. The trauma that ensued, however, was not only limited to land war. From barbaric lords to disturbing familiars, we are about to travel down a very dark and foreboding road. The Anglo-Scottish borderland stretches for some 154 kilometers. That's 96 miles for all of the non-metric system folk out there. The border was established in 700 and no, what? 700, I'm reading in dyslexia, 973, and the war over it only ended in the first decade of the 17th century, when the union of the crowns of England and Scotland ensued. That is roughly over 600 years of pillaging, wars, and raids. That's 600 years of fighting. What? Like, who's got the time? So obviously there wasn't a constant battle on the go. It's not like there was a 600 long war from start to finish. However, the area became a somewhat lawless land during the time frame before the resolution. Furthermore, families used to frequently jump ship to support the side of the border which better suited their needs. This I found really interesting. So it's, um, it's documented that a lot of the families surrounding the borderlands were kind of just they were very fickle bastards and they'd be like ah scotland supports me today then they jumped to scotland and then you know when england was the flavor of the month they were like mm, you know england wasn't that bad let me get back over there um so <laughs> yeah i just i found it like today to change countries is such a freaking mission and there you could just nibbly bibbly choose which side of the wall you wanted to be on well not wall but border. So while all this may seem pretty droll, especially if you're not a histori a history <laughs> especially if you're not a history fan or care little for wars of old, there is a reason we delved into the borderland disputes. It is rumored that the violence surrounding it's rumored that the violent surroundings either drew the red caps out to the area. Let me just try that all again. So it is rumored that the violent surroundings either drew the redcaps out to this area or birthed them altogether. You see, the redcaps are actually dependent on bloodshed for their survival. So now let's get into the name of the redcap. Let's get into the name of this beastie. So as the name suggests, it's pretty straightforward. This creature dons a red cap at all times. The nightcap, I really need to stop making facial expressions <laughs> like people can see me. But anyways, um, the red cap is in the style of a nightcap, so it's not like a baseball or a trucker cap or whatever. It's just a long nightcap, which is red. This cap is also imperative to the red cap's survival. You see, the cap draws its color from a dark place indeed. It's not dark red with tannins and stuff. It's yeah, just you wait for this one. When the red caps slay their victims, they ensure the When the red caps slay their victims, they ensure the body pools blood in some fashion or another. The red caps then submerge their caps into the liquid, soaking up as much blood as possible. Also, it is rumored that if the blood on their cap at any time should become dr dry, the red cap will perish. Therefore, it is imperative that they kill regularly to ensure their caps remain wet with blood of their victims. 
So that is just, sorry, on another level, freaking gross. <laughs> Not only are these guys like murdery and stuff, they're wearing a wet hat that is soaked in blood at all times. That's just gross. <laughs> that nasty, man. <laughs> so now let's talk about, now that we know what they look like. Oh, we don't actually know what they look like. Ah, let me tell you what they look like. How could I not? I told you what they wear. How ridiculous. Their fashion choices. Hmm. Okay. So, hmm. The red cap is actually a really, 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 really weird looking little thing. So, it's um, rumored to look like a dwarf. So, it'd be really small in stature. And it looks like an old man. So, an old, wrinkly old ass man. Um key traits of the red cap is its cap obviously um it's also got red eyes um it's got abnormally long teeth which is just gross i don't know i'm really weird like this but i'm a teeth person so if you've got gnarly teeth i'm just like nope sorry bye <laughs> so as you can suspect my husband has immaculate teeth but yes, so the red cap has gross teeth. He's a little old man. He's got very bushy, long hair, like wiry, wild old man hair. So it's like gray and white and just old. Um, then another interesting thing about the way the red cap looks is that he has really long fingers, almost like talons. So they've been described in various like um, explanations of the red cap to resemble like an eagle claw so they're very long spindly fingers and then at the end of them he doesn't have nails he's got claws so like a proper <laughs> little animal thing then okay while we on fashion topics of the red cap i need to also mention that um along with his hat he also wears iron boots so yeah those come into play in his chosen forms of killing <laughs> Which we are about to get into. So, well done for segueing, Abigail, into that so seamlessly. So, here comes the gore. Um, so, this is... Sorry, I'm really excited about this. And it's very weird because I am an absolute gore fan. <laughs> like, the gorier the better. But this is where things get weird with me. Because I love gore. But put me in front of a medical drama and I'm like, nara, I'm out. Hands up, no foul. Thank you. But even weirder yet is like I can stand medical dramas that aren't from my time. So I can do easily. I can watch The Nick. I love that. I love researching medieval medical techniques because it's just so gruesome. Like I even tap my little feet. I'm sure you can't hear that. This is what they sound like. That's me getting excited about medical gore um, in medieval times. But today's medical dramas. Mm -mm. I cannot for the life of me watch that. <laughs> like, I tried twice in my life to watch Grey's Anatomy. Both times I felt sick and I was like, nope. And also both times I was like, I've got these diseases or this is going to happen to me. <laughs> so basically, if it's real, I can't. I'm just like, mm-mm, hands up, no foul, I'm out, thank you. You know, tap out, done. So yeah, so anyways, the red cap is gory. So I can stand him. He's, he doesn't murder you with medical techniques. <laughs> so as we've discovered, the red cap needed blood to survive. As such, their methods of killing had to be incredibly specific. 
For example, poison and smothering were definitely out since there was no bloodshed involved. Now, there are a few reported ways which were common for the red cap to kill its victims. Firstly, if you were wandering amid their castle um, along the borderlands, oh, that's another thing I need to mention, guys, sorry. So, these little guys were known to inhabit ruined castles along the borderlands. Either ruined castles which were in ruin or abandoned or anything. But yeah, so they had champagne taste for realsies because they had to live in a castle. So if you were trespassing on their lands, you could expect to encounter a shower of large rocks being hurled your way. It was also common for the red cap to push large boulders towards you or throw large rocks at your head at random visitors. <laughs> it was common for red cap to push large boulders towards or throw large rocks at random visitors to their lair. Now the object of this was the rocks would either kill someone or severely maim the human, leaving a large pool of blood for the goblin. So yeah, that's another thing. A red cap can either be a fairy or a goblin. It is said to be both. So yes, so the rocks would hit you, smush you, and leave blood for the thing. Another common thing to a red cap um, was to attack a person with their iron boots. And oh, guys, damn, I forgot to mention another fashion accessories that these oaks had. They always carried a pike staff in their left hand. So if you don't know what a pike staff is, um, it's kind of like a spear, a spear-like weapon. So it's very sharp at the end, it's long. So yes, they would always carry a pike staff with them. So when they attacked you, they'd run at you and kick you with their little iron boots and stab you with their pike staff. And then they would claw you with their fierce eagle hands. Oh, that's disgusting. So yeah, the wretchedly long fingernails would you to death <laughs> so as you can Im imagine that would also leave you in a, a bloody mess so yeah once it had done that it would then drag you back to its lair where it would hang you out upside down almost like a cow in a butchery and leave you to bleed out into their caps until completely <laughs> until complete exsanguination had taken place so if you don't know what exsanguination means it's it means to fully drain the blood of a corpse so now, sorry, i got to take my headphones off because otherwise I hear myself in my head and it's weird, weird, weird. Um, but yeah, so now I, I guess you guys are wondering, how the hell do you get away from these things? Truth be told, you can't. <laughs> Just to put it short and sweet for you, all hope that you had, forget it, buddy, because it's just in vain. So yeah, even though these little creatures were little old men who wore big heavy iron boots and carried around a pike staff, they were said to be insanely fast. Like you could not outrun a red cap, even if you tried. They would just catch up to you and, you know, like, like we just discussed, basically claw you to death and stab you thousands of times with their staff and kick you with their boots. Um, your only hope against a red cap was to recite a verse of the Bible. But as I mentioned, you got to do that with haste, son. Because, you know, by the time you get, the Lord is my shepherd, the thing has already caught you and is kicking you. 
So yeah, you've basically got to recite a verse of the Bible to the red cap, which will cause it to just turn and flee and run and scream because remember it's a devil. So I, <laughs> I told you these guys are gruesome. I was not lying when I said I picked the most heinous damn fairy to start with. <laughs> Welcome to my damn world. Um, yeah, so that is their method of attacking. So another notable thing to mention is that these little critters were also cannibals. Yeah, let that soak in. So this is really freaking gross. So not only did they enjoy dining on whatever flesh was available, humans included, but these oaks had no scum in eating their own. So now I'm not sure if this means that they dined on other fairies or red caps specifically, you know, since there's like hundreds of other fairies now that we all discovered about. Um, not much can be found on the cannibalistic traits of the red cap, Dunter or Powery. So those are the other names that the red cap goes by, Dunter or a Powery. But yeah, they I, I did find stuff on them being little cannibals. So that's freaking gross. Now another, another thing to note is that in some Irish recollections of the red cap, they are also deemed to be vampiric. So this is because they don't only wound you and douse their caps in the blood, but they also would drink the blood of the human that they wounded as sustenance. So yeah, that's, that's pretty damn gross. <laughs> so now not only is the fairy a murderer and an attacker and everything, it's also a vampire. So... Now that we're like into the thick of the story, we need to get into one of the most well-known places um, of horror during the, the Borderland war, war times. And also, this place that we're going to be discussing is the home to one of the most notorious red caps in history. Um, he's the only one with a name that I found. Yeah, even... yeah. Even the nice one that we're going to discuss later didn't have a name. But yeah, so this place is really gruesome. So get readies for... Get readies? Get readies. <laughs> get ready for the horrors of Hermitage Castle. Bum, bum, bum. So before I get into the horrors of this place, I need to give you a short and quick and sweet breakdown of what the castle is and when it was started. So just a brief history of Hermitage Castle. So as I previously mentioned, the Borderlands made for some scary freaking stories back in the day. But one castle worth paying special attention to is Hermitage Castle. So guys, when I say it's worth paying special attention to, I mean in the case of the Red Cap, in the case of gruesome history, and just by the fact that this place just looks creepy. It looks severely depressing. Like, I don't know if any light got into that castle, but it just... It looks like something Dracula would live in. Oh, and on that note, I know I'm like super late to the party, <laughs> but I watched the, the Dracula show on Netflix the other day. Um, Kind of binged it over the weekend. And I must say, like when it started, I was super stoked. I was like, yes, this is what I live for. And I was so excited. And then by the final episode, I was like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> like it went from being this 
epic period movie series thing to, I don't know, some weird arts film that you'd find in like the French cinema. Sorry, here we've got a, a French cinema that shows very artsy films and whatever. Not mainstream titles. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a major letdown, guys. Like, yo, it started so strong. And then, I don't know, I think the writer or whoever was involved with it just took a shit ton of acid and then ruined it at the end. But, yeah, just my thoughts. Don't crucify me for that. So, yeah, so that's what Hermitage Castle looks like. Looks like it's fit for a vampire. <laughs> so, in 1240, it was rumoured that the now still standing semi-ruined castle was built by Nicholas de Sully. The castle stayed within the family for just under a century when it was forfeited by one William de Sully. I don't know if it's de Sully or de Soulis. Let's go with de Sully. No, he's not French, he's Scottish. De Soulis. Let's say de Soulis. Okay. So William de Soulis forfeited the castle and we will be discussing this dude in great length. So you just hang on for a second. We're getting to him. So the castle passed hands through the centuries, being passed through three prominent families of the time. So after the um, the de Soulis family forfeited it, it was passed on to the Douglases. It then went to the Hepburns. Not sure if Audrey was involved. Probably not because this was way before her time. <laughs> and then finally it was passed into the hands of the Scots or the Scots took it from the Hepburns. Now, the castle was owned by the Scots family until the 1930s, when it was handed over to the nation. So, yeah, the castle basically just became too expensive to maintain, so they were like, yeah, have it, Scotland. Fatal. So, now, let's discuss what led to the fall of this castle. So, once the Union of the Crowns was formed in 1603, the castle became obsolete and thus began began to fall in disrepair. Oh, I can't read today. And thus began to fall into disrepair. So now if you're not familiar with what the Union of the Crowns is, it is very similar to what the name suggests. So it represents the period where um, James VI of Scotland took the crown in both England and Ireland where he became James I. So basically those three nations... Instead of having three separate kings per nation, they just had the one ruler. So now, this left the borderlands in a harmonious state, no longer needing to be fought over by the English and Scottish families. Because remember I said they were the borderlands was constantly being fought over for that 600 period, 600 year period. So during the borderland struggles, the Hermitage Castle was a hot commodity. Hence, when there was no more need for fighting, it became very unneeded. And also, like, as such, it became neglected by whatever family was looking after it. I know, um, I did read that one family, I think in, like, 1820 or 1830 or something, some duke pumped money into restoring it a little bit. And then after that, it was just like, ah, sorry, it's a money pit. So, now that we know a bit about this castle, let's discuss its bloody history. So remember I mentioned one William de Soulis in an introduction to Hermitage Castle? Well, this gent had quite the history behind him, and I'm not kidding, folks, like, at all. <laughs> he was just an all-round noble knob. 
What he wanted, he took with no thought to consequence to those around him. He legitimately was like the worst possible human being on the face of the planet. William de Soulis was the Lord of Liddesdale as well as the Butler of Scotland. Now, if you're not familiar with what this term is, the Butler of Scotland, he didn't wait on the <laughs> on on the Scottish people hand and foot. He it was actually um, a designation in the court. So kind of like we've got seats of parliament now. It was your know, designated seat in the in the court of the Scots. So this jackass was known to regularly rape women of the surrounding area, and worse yet, murder little boys to practice his witchcraft. Yes, William was a keen student of the dark arts, known to have studied under Michael Scott, the Wizard of the North, who I've never heard of. Merlin, sure. Michael Scott, he sounds like he should be doing some R&B album now <laughs> with a saxophone. Anyways, so now I know you must be thinking, what does this lunatic 14th century dingbat, dingbat have to do with the red caps? A lot, actually. So you see, William considered himself to be a witch of sorts. So like I said, he, he practiced the dark arts and stuff. He considered, I don't know if he considered himself a witch or a warlock. I'm not sure what the gender correct term was back then. But yeah. So as such, he took a familiar. And this familiar would become, would become, what the hell did I write there? So this familiar would become to be known the most notorious red caps of all time. So guys, before we get into this horrid little creature the heinous red cap of hermitage castle i need to quickly explain to you what a familiar is so if you're wondering what a familiar is because for whatever reason you have chosen to deny yourself the pleasure of indulging in the chilling adventures of sabrina on netflix like if you haven't watched it are you living under a rock or something like that but anyways let me briefly explain a familiar is a companion taken by a young witch to help them along their transformative journey. A familiar is a companion taken by a young witch to help them along their transformative journey into the witching world. A familiar is a goblin or fairy which takes the form of an animal when serving their human. So usually, guys, I swear to God, I'm not just quoting Sabrina word for word now or familiar for familiar. This is legitimately what familiars are and were. Um, familiars usually take the shape of a small animal, like I said, but um, I didn't say small animal, just an animal. But yeah, they take the shape of a small animal. So commonly things like a cat, a hedgehog, an insect, um, a dog at times. And yeah. Interestingly enough, cunning folk were also known to take familiars. So if you don't know what the cunning is because you haven't watched Sabrina because you live under a rock like we established and don't know who Roz is, someone who possesses the cunning is a sort of soothsayer, fortune teller type person who possesses the power of divination. So yeah, cunning folk are really cool because they can see things that we can't. So yeah, the cunning folk are blessed with the sight, foresight and all of that kind of jazz. It's awesome. So now, this is where things get super duper interesting. The familiars of witches and cunning folk couldn't have been more different if they tried. 
people viewed cunning familiars to be kind spirits with no evil or anything similar attached to them. Witch familiars, however, were basically viewed as the Antichrist. They were often suspected to be malevolent spirits and usually demonic in nature. So this for me is really interesting because I thought, you know, magic is magic is magic back in the day. I thought you were condemned no matter what magic you followed. So cunning folk also, um, <coughs> they were known to be like magic healers and just good white magic people back then, which I also thought would be like poo-pooed upon by the people of the time. But no, apparently cunning folk were cool and they were above board and their familiars were cool and benign spirits. Whereas witch cunnings, I mean witch cunnings, <laughs> whereas witch familiars were evil devils. So, now that we all caught up on what familiars are, let's get to the sinister familiar of William de Soulis, Robin Redcap. Really, I don't think that Robin was the best name for the worst Redcap out there. <laughs> I mean, you know, Robin is about as scary as the name Sheldon or something. Mm. Robin's going to come and get you. But anyways, that was this little guy's name, Robin Redcap. So, William de Soulis expressed a desire to practice the dark arts and got heavily involved in the study of the occult. As such, he took the familiar in the form of Robin Redcap. Robin taught William the ways of the occult, versing him in their spells and practices. However, Robin's teaching methods were questionable to say the least. Um, most of his spells and sacrifices... <laughs> This is why they're questionable. I'm laughing at myself. <laughs> Most of his spells and sacrifices required the blood of a child to work. Hence, the pair would go and pick off peasant children in their surrounding areas. So, yeah, it was very questionable, you know. It's just slap on the wrist kind of stuff. <laughs> so what they would do is they would lure children to the castle with the promise of work. But shame, these kids were little, like little kids, like five and whatever. But yeah, so when the child went into the castle for its promised work, it never came back out. So furthermore, this is really disturbing, guys. Robin Redcap was said to partake in the rapes carried out by his master. So that's just really fucked up on every level. And to be fair, it just gives me the heebie-jeebies. It's like it's, it's gross. It's nasty little rapey goblin thing. So now the town folk eventually were getting very tired of being tortured um, by this bastard monarch. Well, he wasn't a monarch, noble, whatever. And his disgusting little goblin. And rightfully so. I mean, if this dude and his little familiar were terrorizing my town, I'd also get up in arms about it, especially with all of the heinous things they were doing. Because, yeah, it wasn't like a slow death. They would often torture people and children and whatever. So they were just dicks, <laughs> to be fair. So, yeah, so the town got super, super pissed off that nothing was happening about these oaks. So they decided to take law into their own hands and inflict a bit of vigilante justice. A bit of vigilante justice. They didn't put a bit in for vigilante justice. <laughs> However, 
They found their attacks were often rebuffed by the noble and futile, as he had a protective charm cast over him by his familiar. Their blades could not pierce his breast, nor cause any harm to him whatsoever. So basically this rapey bastard murderous ass is untouchable, which just sucks. But the, f- the town uh, but the townsfolk were scrappy and resourceful. As such, they came up with quite an ingenious plan to get rid of this guy. So what they did was they wrapped the evil bastard in lead sheets and boiled him alive. How is that <laughs> for vigilante justice? Like, that just makes me happy. Oh, it sounds so, so, so morbid. But, yeah, no, that really makes me happy. Take it into your own hands, man. So once this had happened, it was rumoured that the spirit of Robin Redcap left the human world that we know. Although, some people believe his spirit still haunts Hermitage Castle to this day. So all of this is very romantic and whatever, to think about a man being boiled alive in a lead kind of blanket. <laughs> but there are actually two accounts of the death of William de Sulis. Um so, whilst this guy was actually a rapey, child-murdering jackass, he was also rumoured to be plotting regicide, which means to plan the death of a monarch, against King Robert I of Scotland. As such, he was jailed and suspected to be killed in his cell. Anyways, um, it is thought that the boiling death happened to one of his ancestors, Ranulf de Sulis of Little, who was murdered by his servants or for being a bastard. So that just kind of shows that the Desulis line were just a line of bad, bad human beings who one shouldn't pay any attention to. Sorry guys, I just had to pause briefly to let my little dog children in. They couldn't be away from me. (laughs) So yeah, so that is in short the story of um, Hermitage Castle. So now, um, let's have a little bit of a palate cleanser and touch on a lighter note. Why don't we? After that (laughs) horrific history lesson that I just took you through. But anyways, as I previously mentioned, there are actually other versions of the red cap throughout Europe. However, before we go abroad, it is interesting to note that one red cap in the borderlands wasn't as douchey as the rest. The Red Cap of Perthshire was described as a benign little man living in a room high up in the Grantilly Castle. Now, if you happen to come across or even hear this little fella going about the castle, it was rumoured that he would bestow good fortune upon you as well as well wishes. So that just goes to show that not all Red Caps in Scotland were assholes, because this guy was quite nice. I just think it's ridiculous that Robin, the rapey redcap, gets a name and this nice little guy from Perthshire gets nothing. We should name him, I don't know, Cutie McCutesville redcap. <laughs> okay, so now we get into um, another version of the redcap, which is really interesting. And this guy is known as the Kaboter of Dutch law. So, sorry, just on a side note, it's time for I was today years old when I found out. <laughs> so, yes, I was today years old when I found out that Stotekaboter means a naughty gnome, not a naughty bum. <laughs> it's 
So, um, a stoic about it is a is a saying in Afrikaans here in South Africa, and it means, like I said, naughty no. But you say it to a naughty kid. Um, you say like, "Muni stoic about the viesni," which means don't be a naughty gnome. And I always thought that it meant naughty bum. <laughs> and I've got reason, even though I did come to this conclusion by myself. Anyways, in Afrikaans, a boat means your bum. So I always thought it was just a cutie way of saying you being a naughty bum bum, a stoutirka boutirki, you know. It's not that hard to believe people. <laughs> Anyways, now I'm glad that I know I'm calling my brother's children naughty gnomes. Anyways, sidetrack aside, um, the kabote is a little gnome which hails from Dutch folklore. Um, and kabote actually does mean gnome in Dutch as well, so not only Afrikaans. This little guy is just an absolute delight. Unlike its murderous counterpart of Scotland, the kabote is a jolly little elf who lived underground and was known to help with chores around the house. Like... What the hell? Where's my kabouter? I wouldn't mind a little gnomey thing helping me around the house. <laughs> It'd be really freaking cool. My kabouter, I've got dishes. Kabouter, do my washing. Freaking hell, man. I don't want to kabouter. <laughs> Maybe I need to move to the Netherlands for that. But anyways. So, now that we've discussed how cute and helpful they are around the house. Why and how... Are they linked at all to the Borderland Red Cap? Well, hi there. Ho there. It's me again from post-production over here. Um, I've just got a little side note about the Kabotish and how they act towards their human counterparts. So I did say that they're not malevolent at all towards people or hold any bad grudges to them. That's a bold-faced damn lie, people. <laughs> they're not nasty. They are no means like a, a red cap in borderlands at all but um they would punish people for spying on them rightfully so i say because if you're gonna spy on me i'm also gonna kick your ass but yeah so apparently the kaboter is a very shy little creature so if you spied on him and invaded his personal space and privacy he would get all up in there and fight you good for him I support that kaboter. This is actually really easy to explain, guys. The kaboters wear red caps on their head <laughs> that look like um, the red caps of Borderlands. So yeah, but their red cap is are, are dyed with normal dye, not with like blood of anybody. So yeah, that's really gross. So I know that they said I said that they were red caps throughout Europe, but sorry, I lied. <laughs> the only one we're going to be talking about is the Kaboter. And, okay, no, like in common gnome law, they were also known as little red caps, so like just normal English gnomes were little red caps because they also apparently donned red caps on their heads. So like, you know, the little gnomes that you get for your garden at Builder's Warehouse, if you're South African or wherever your Home Depot center is, abroad they've always got red caps on so that's a little red cap but it's the good kind it's the one that you can let into your garden so now now we've gone through everything that i wanted to touch on about the red cap and its european counterparts 
Now we get into the fascinating time of what Abby thinks red caps really are. So, this is your, uh, it's, it's a tough one. Because like I said in my Trunko thing, I love cryptids and I want to believe in them. However, the red cap really, 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 really just sounds like a weird homeless bum living in the castles. So yeah, that is my assumption of what red caps are, is that there was a little old hermit man who had like a lust for murder <laughs> and rape and weird stuff. And yeah, he probably killed anyone who trespassed on his land. And he was like that classic old man, don't you come on my grass, damn kid. But he didn't just shout at you, he threw boulders at your head <laughs> and killed you. So yeah, um... Just from everything that I researched about these guys, they seem very much like a Jeffrey Dahmer kind of goblin. So, yeah, if Jeffrey Dahmer was a goblin, he'd be a red cap. Which is why I think the red cap was just a little old man who had a, a, a knack for murder. Um, so, I also think that folklore is a hella strong kind of thing. So, when a rumor spreads, it often gets super embellished and super 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 fantasized um and as such i don't think it's too far-fetched for locals to have caught wind of the weird little man living on his own um and blow the whole thing completely out of proportion but i mean like way out of proportion so you know like they start a rumor of there's the lonely little man in the hill and the castle and na -na 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 -na, and he kills everybody who comes in his way then the next one says yeah and then Whenever he kills you, he dips his cup into your blood. I don't know if I'm trying to do a Scottish accent or not, but it kind of sounds like I am. <laughs> I won't even try it. No, let me try it. So, yeah, there's the little, the old little man who lives on the hill in the castle. And when he kills you, he dips his hat into his blood. That wasn't too bad. I mean, it was kind of a butchery, but <laughs> I tried. But yes, so I do truly believe that it was a serial killer living on his ace in abandoned castles and then people heard about his stories and then embellished the shit out of them. So that is my take on the red cap, guys. And that is our first fairy story. I'm so freaking stoked that we got into fairy folklore. I'm so excited. Yay. Um, so, yeah. Thank you for joining me on yet another adventure of my cryptids. And if you want to stay in touch with me, be sure to get a hold of me on my social media platforms. Uh, follow me on Twitter, which is Meat Monsters, because I omitted the my. Why, I do not know. <laughs> follow me on Instagram, which is Meat underscore My underscore Monsters. And find my face Facebook group by searching for Meet My Monsters or just add in Meet My Monsters podcast after Facebook.com. Yeah, guys, I hope that you have a fantastic weekend ahead. And yeah, I'll see you all next week, Friday. Bye. <laughs>